today's scripture is Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 31. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Marcus, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, welcome to Redemption Church, as Dave said. I'm so happy uh, to be here. A couple of things before I get going. I'm so honored to be able to preach the Word of God every Sunday. If you need a Bible, we preach from the Bible here. Uh, please raise your hand if you need a Bible. Uh, it's our gift to you. Please grab one. The ushers are coming down the aisles. If you need one to follow along, so what I am preaching on this morning, we'll be glad to get you one. I always admire Dave with his linguistic dexterity, with his Spanish. So I, I don't have that in my toolbox. So Dave, thank you for blessing us with the Spanish on a weekly basis. Scientists often say that, uh, or researchers say, we remember about 50% of what we hear within an hour. And within 24 hours, we lose about 70% of what we hear. My discipleship moment this morning is to encourage you, if you're looking for new habits this year, is to start bringing a pen and paper to church, <laughs> taking some notes. I'm, I'm going to go there early, right? I'm there early. I'm there right now, okay? It's hard. I know we've been trained in some ways... Uh, to, to try to remember what we, we work hard to try to remember what the preacher was saying, but it's much easier, right, if you write and you take notes so that you can remember and you grow as a Christian. I must always remind you that James chapter 3 says to me and to any other preacher who occupies this space, don't worry, I'm not checking my messages, I am just getting my clock started because I am a chocolate preacher and we can get some kind of way with time, <laughs> so let me get that going. Uh, God commands us who stand in this space. Um, not many of us should strive to be teachers because teachers will be judged more strictly. So what I always tell you, remind you, and remind myself that what I'm going to do here this morning in the next 25 minutes, 30, <laughs> we, 
45. I don't know if I could do 45. <laughs> uh, to keep that I will be judged one day. I will, I will stand before the Lord on your account. Did I teach? Did I preach? Did I encourage? Did I rebuke? Did I, did I challenge everyone with the word of God without fear? Would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the hearts and minds that are present here this morning. Lord, I pray that you will move. It's not my words, it's not my thoughts, but it's yours, Lord. As I prepared this week, the Holy Spirit lived in that room, lived in the space, oh God. I prayed, I studied, and here it is that I present, Lord, your word as clearly as I can from my experience and my language and what you've given me, Lord, I offer back to you in front of these. And the church said, Amen. Amen. We'll be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. I've titled this message in our exchange, Anxiety Changes Very Little, But the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. Anxiety Changes Very Little, But the Kingdom Changes Everything. What anxiety cannot change, the kingdom of God can. It has been called the spirit of our age, the torment of young adults, the companion of the lonely, the backpack of the downtrodden, the unwanted companion of our generation, the ever-present shadow even on a cloudy day, the vulture who snatches joy, the thief of sunrise, the pillow of the restless, the parasite that latches onto our happiness. It's the ugly incongruence between our social media presence and our day-to-day. It's the quiet verse of the enemy that says, be afraid of something, be afraid of everything. That thing is anxiety. It's in us, it's around us, and for some, it's an unwelcome guest that stays. What is anxiety? Scientifically, anxiety is the actuation of a stress response, a dopamine release to the, in, in, in response to the expectation of a challenge or a stressor. It's similar to addiction, scientists say. I have suffered both acute and generalized anxiety, right? In 2016, in the fall of 2016, I was in a place where I was not pleased with where I was in life, and I couldn't see a way forward, and I couldn't control what I thought I could control. And I was wondering what was happening inside of me that I couldn't, I wasn't myself. I traced it back to when I was 19 years old. My brother had a massive heart attack at 38 years old. Massive. My brother, if you see him, you think you're seeing a carbon copy of me. Same height, same weight, same kind of personality. He's a little quieter than I am. He had a massive heart attack. I'm 19, he's 38. He had a heart attack. No one's in the house when he has the heart attack, and he can't get oxygen to his brain, so his life for the rest, he's still alive, but the rest of his life changed. And I thought if it happened to him and we're so similar, it might happen to me. For 19 years, if you do the math, that was in the back of my mind. So as I got closer and closer and closer to 38, guess what I started thinking? At some point when I get 38, maybe I'll have a heart attack. And I started putting that on myself. Well, I hit 38, and one morning, it was about 4 or 5 in the morning, Annie and I were laying there, and all of a sudden I said, man, I feel something in my chest. 
and I, and I start breathing, and I, and I feel like I can't breathe, and I, I feel a pain in my chest. So I get upstairs, and, and we, I have to get rushed to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. Turns out, heartburn, $4,000 heartburn. See what anxiety can do. A great friend of mine, Ann Harrington, is a licensed clinical professional counselor in the Boston area. She, spe she specifically works with millennials and Gen Z. She says this. She says, generalized anxiety is like a vulture flying around in your head, just circling, looking for a space to land. So what do people have anxiety about in our society? You know what you have anxiety about. I know what I have anxiety about. Here's what some people have anxiety about. Relationships, money, body image, eating disorders, the future, jobs, lack thereof, death, loss of control, our political instability or stability, global crises, economic collapse, the news. Particularly in Gen Z, she says, the fear of being cut off from friends. We're saying to ourselves in that generation, I am bad, I am perhaps annoying. The fear of ending relationships. Some of, them are, some of us are telling ourselves, there's something about me that no one is telling me. You're walking around in circles like, is there something that no one's telling me that I, that I know about myself, that I don't know? All of these things produce anxiety, a level of anxiety within us. Jesus, in this passage, is specifically addressing the anxiety that we have over money and resources, economic stability and wealth, or lack thereof. He says, by the way, he says in this passage, I, I love the original languages, and I love when we translate it to English. This is one of the most clearly translated passages of Jesus' words. His words will both encourage and challenge. He says, he says this in chapter, in, in, in verse 12. Let me read it to you slowly. The verse says, starting at 22, says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not... Be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For, your, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, ladies and gentlemen. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by... Being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. If then you are not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. Brothers and sisters, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not seek where you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you will need them. Instead, instead, say instead, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. There are two kinds of people who hear sermons, or you're listening right now, 
right? You're listening right now. The, the Bible says there are two kinds of people, right? People who think they're too good and don't struggle with this, or people who feel like they're too far gone and so deeply gone and that God is angry at them so they can't even get to it. I hope I preached to both groups this morning. There, there, I'm going to give you five reasons, five reasons why it is useless to have anxiety about money. I know useless is a strong word, but here we are. One, verse 23, your life is more than possessions. Your life is more than your possession. Your body is more than what you put on, Jesus says, what you eat, the things that you own. Deep down, all of us, I have a feeling, know this, but we live as if we don't believe it. We know this, but somehow we say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, if I get this, then I will be satisfied. If I, if I move here, then I will have it. If I, if I do this, then I'll be satisfied. You're clinging to something. Every once in a while, Annie goes to estate sales, and sometimes I accompany her, and we buy things or we look at things that maybe the person has passed away. I don't know if you make that connection, but sometimes it's people's prized possessions that your body, you're buying for 10, 15 cents on a dollar that they paid for. They're long gone. I've said this before, one of my favorite actors in the world is Denzel Washington. He said, you will never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? We can't take it with us. Do not draw your security from the possessions that you have. One pastor says this, he says, in the affluent West, we have an overdose of comfort and live with the illusion of control. Two, you are more precious to God, more precious than any other created thing. You are more precious to God than any other thing. Of all of God's creation, you are at the top of the list. Look at the stars. Look at the mountains. And we have a beautiful city here to do such things. Look at the birds. I remember the first time I saw the Pacific Ocean. I'm a crier. Maybe you didn't cry when you saw it. When I look at how blue it was and how vast it was, and I thought of me, I was overwhelmed and I started to cry. If God created all that, and he says, you are more precious than that, and he takes care of all those animals in there, everything else, he has room for you. Y'all didn't say amen, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Remind yourselves, as we look at the wonderful sunsets, the wonderful sunrises that we have in our city, you are not forgotten in all of this. God's got you. He's got you. Three, anxiety changes very little. Some translations say worry. Anxiety changes very little, right? We cannot, by the way, banish all anxiety. Anxiety is necessary for us as humans. Anne Harrington goes on to say, she says that she says, if you're not having anxiety over something you're not temporarily having, then you're not living in reality, she said. But we are not made to live there. It's not a lifestyle, right? It's not a lifestyle. Some of us have come, here's why I'm on your couch, right? I hope I'm on your block. Some of us have come and have accepted it as a companion. You walk long periods in your life just with this kind of, this is where I am, Right? We cannot add one hour, as the Bible says, Jesus' words, to our lives by worrying. 
Some of us, it affects our quality of life. It affected my quality of life for a while. One commentator says is that Jesus, he says, Jesus commands us. He does not advise us in this passage that his followers are not to worry, right? To worry is to miss what life is about. Four, you have God. You have God. See, people who aren't in relationship with God worry about everything. If you're living as if your life depends on you and only you, you're the alpha and omega of your life. When something goes wrong, you think it depends on you, and if you can't fix it, no one else can, you start to worry. If you have no plan, if you have no plan for for fixing what's happening in your life, you start to worry. If no one's going to care for you besides you, you start to worry. And if all your, all your, your attention is focused on here on earth, you start to worry. You want to control. You want to control everything around you. You want to control the future. You want to control the narrative. When you don't have control, you worry. Jesus says, do not worry. I'll give you an example of an acute anxiety situation that I had a couple of weeks. When we were in seminary, we lived in Boston, and Annie's mom lives in, in Phoenix, and every chance we got, we would fly from Boston to Phoenix. And I've flown at that point probably 100 times in my life. Annie and I got on the plane, and for some reason, I sat in my seat, and they were about to shut the door, and I had this feeling, right? And I broke out. I jumped up and left. And I, I no, 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 you're not stopping me. Get out of my way, putting your bags up. And I just had this feeling right? People call it a panic attack or whatever. I was starting to worry. I started to think, that pilot, do I trust him? Do I trust her? Right? They're shutting the door. I'm going to be in here. Being on a plane is one of the biggest, re- one of the biggest ways, right? You just give up control. You're up there. You can't do a doggone thing. <laughs> there I was. I ran outside. I'm standing at that, you know, the little thing that they bring you on. And, and, and the, the flight attendant looked at me and said, we're about to shut the door. You need to get back in here. And I said, and I don't know what was happening to me. Some of you guys have been there. You've had that feeling. You've had that moment. I got back on that plane, and I shut my eyes, and I prayed almost the entire flight, and I couldn't control it. From that point on, for like two or three years, whenever I got in the jetway, I would have this feeling that I had to address by using God. You know the feeling. Five. Here's where I'll spend the bulk of my time is in number five. God gives us much more. God gives us much more. The New Living Translation said, he will give you everything that you need. In verse 31, I have this huge word, right? It's huge. I don't want you to miss this one. It's huge. It says, the first word, instead. Say instead with me. Instead. Instead, instead is the English way to say make a transition. Don't do this, do this, do this, or don't do this. Instead of doing this, do this. It's a wonderful word. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. It's a holy alternative, I call it. It's a shifted gaze, right? When the enemy starts shooting the fiery darts in the morning, you ain't nothing. Where are you going? You can't do this, and you start feeling that way, and the fiery darts are coming. Instead... Seek the kingdom of God. Now, when I was in church as a kid, as a teenager, when these kind of phrases would come up, seek the kingdom of God, I didn't understand what they meant. 
What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God, right? What does it mean? Let me tell you. Let me lead you to the water, hopefully, this morning. We are made for something more than we are right now. Preach the gospel. This is what we do instead of worrying, instead of having anxiety. If you're going to take notes, this is what you do instead. Preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Tell yourself that you are loved by God. Dig into your spiritual disciplines. I know some of you guys are allergic to the word discipline, so let me replace it, right? Spiritual habits. Right? Intentional prayer every single day. If, you want, if you're in the trenches with anxiety this morning, if you're there, he said, intentional prayer. The old monastic, the old monastic and biblical, biblical practice of fasting. If you need to fast, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about uh, social media fast or TV fast. I'm talking about specifically abstaining from food to focus your mind on the Lord in prayer. Confession, regular confession. Staying deeply connected to a local church, a local community of people to walk with you. Cultivate spiritual habits. Don't neglect them. Spend your time and mental energy doing these things because the enemy is like a lion. He's going to come every single day. He's going to tell you lies about yourself. Now, I'm not speaking when I say these things. It's not a formula to get you there. I'm not telling you to fast 15 days and your anxiety will be gone. I'm not telling you to pray 15 Hail Marys and the thing will disappear. It's not a formula. It's not a one-on-one correlation. You understand what I'm saying, right? You're changing your, your, your focus. You're growing in a different direction. You're doing something that is, is, is going to endear you. It's going to move you closer to the Lord and further away from anxiety. It's not a, a, a formula. It's a, if I do this, then my anxiety will be gone. Pray for others. Read out loud the promises of God. Look through the Bible. Look through the, look through the New Testament and find the one another's. Love one another. Pray for one another. Find those things. <clears throat> Let me get a drink. Salvation happens without our effort, right? We know that. We are saved without our effort. But formation takes place with effort. Spiritual growth, spiritual growth happens intentionally. Renewing our minds, as Paul writes, does not just happen. These habits are built in over the years. So when, when the storms come, right, when you're laying low, you have, these, you have these things. You've been praying, you've been fasting, and you've grown in the Lord so that you can withstand the darts of the enemy. The secret to contentment, right, happens intentionally. Paul says in the book of Philippians, he says, I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living, or in plen- whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all these things through him who strengthens me. Jesus says, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you which is life, food, and what you need for your life. Seeking after God will build your spiritual muscles. 
the habits I just spoke of, will build your spiritual muscles. There is something very natural about our spiritual life, right? Instead of anxiousness, worry, focus on these things. I'm not lost on the fact that it is New Year's, right? And now we're trying to change our habits. I'm trying to change my habits, right? If I said, man, my end goal at the end of this year is I want to look different, you know, I want to I lose weight, I want to gain weight, I want to look different, and I do absolutely nothing and worry about losing weight, what's going to happen? I'm going to find the box of ice cream eventually. <laughs> okay? Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, right, talk about such things. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Scott, Scott Sauls, a great pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, says this as a reminder. He says, the folks who wrote these things in the New Testament, almost 100% of the New Testament was written by someone from jail, in exile, while waiting execution or facing some significant persecution. When they write these things to us, not to be anxious, right? To find contentment and joy in our circumstances. So when the Bible says, do not be anxious, <clears throat> it's not a suggestion. It's not an insensitive stance. It's an invitation to live differently, right? Feast on the power of God, right? Bring it to your lips. Many of you know that I spent a year in war and hiding, right? I'm, I'm in behind enemy lines and I'm hiding because of my last name. Anybody finds me, they could kill me. I'm hiding in Liberia, West Africa. And after we got out of hiding, when we were liberated by the peacekeepers, I met other kids who I couldn't understand. I wasn't as bad as them. At least I didn't think I was as bad as them. When I looked upon them, I could clearly, I could see my ribs and my collarbone. But when I looked upon them, when we all would sit to eat, they didn't have the strength. It's almost like they were indifferent to nutritious food. They were sitting in front of bowls of food that we hadn't had in a year. And they had trouble just putting the spoon into the food and bringing it to their lips. Same thing happened in a refugee camp. I remember when I started eating, I, I was eating one meal a day for a year, right? When I started eating again, my jaw would hurt, my throat, because my digestive system was so bad. What I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is that some of us have a Bible, we have a community, we have a local church, but we're not reaching a spoon out to get the wall. Oh, man, y'all missing it right now. What I'm trying to tell you is the answers are there. The nutritious food is there right? You need to reach down and take that spoon and grab it and bring it to your lips and enjoy because it is there. Thank you, Jenny. If you've spent any time in church, you know this. These are the bounce pass, excuse the sports analogy, of Christianity. You know you need to pray. You know you need to read your Bible. It ain't news for some of us, but we have forgotten or we live as if we know the power, but we're living like we're denying the power. We've gotten used to a different diet, a diet of news, a diet of bad news. I'm on somebody's couch. I hope today's a great reminder that God has got you. I have three kids, two of whom can jump on me now. And every once in a while, I was sitting at the bottom of the steps. It took a while for them to get used to it, but they would just jump into my arms. 
It's like, you, you got me, Lord? You got me, Dad? You got me, Dad? Now they don't think about it. When they stand at the top of the steps and I go like this, they jump. Some of you guys are waiting. And God is at the bottom and you're thinking, eh, you got me? I know he said he got me. Ah, can you do it? Do it. Do not be anxious for nothing. God's got you. God's got you. God's got you. This morning, I'm going to close the sermon and the service in a different way. We're going to go into an intentional time of prayer. If you're here today, I do not want you to leave without being prayed for. If you're struggling with any kind of anxiety, if you have any other thing in your life, we're going to sit in this space. I'm going to ask the ushers, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask the deacons and the elders to come up front. There'll be folks up front, there'll be folks in the aisles, and we're going to turn this place into a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. Ushers, deacons, uh, elders, please start coming as you make your way up. We as a society, is a, this is the spirit that we're struggling with. If I had a dime for every time someone tells me, man, I'm struggling with anxiety, I'd be rich. If you're seated here this morning and it hits you in a certain way, don't leave here. Don't be shy. Bring the, bring the spoon to your mouth. It is all around the building. Up and we have people on the balcony. There will be people in the back who are willing and able to pray for you. Don't walk out of here without being prayed for. The music will continue. Feel free to start coming up out of your seats. Don't be bashful at this time. God is willing. God is willing. Tell somebody, I need prayer for this. Humble yourself before the Lord. The Bible says he will lift you up. Let's go into a time of prayer right now. Feel free to start coming up out of your seats.